You know, if I had a dollar for every time I laughed at something on Insecure, I'd be rich. Like, I'd be hella rich. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would be getting to the money and I'd have everybody mad. I think I would be getting too much money and that's why everybody would be mad. Like, Insecure, the way the laughs just roll from like the depths of my diaphragm they roll out of my diaphragm like water rolls off a duck's back you know what I'm saying it's just natural it's what you expect from such greatness like Issa Rae and the entire Insecure cast and crew like (laughs) all the money would be mine all of it You are now listening to The Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Chanel Janae. Guys, guys, I'm feeling some type of way today, and it's it's because of a myriad of things, right? Um, But I'll get into really the crux of why when we get to our Who Got Snub segment. So let's go ahead and jump right into Who Said Dats. And today's Who Said Dat comes from the always timely James Baldwin, who said, For while the tale of how we suffer and how we are delighted and how we make triumph is never new, it must always be heard. There isn't any other tale to tell. It's the only light we've got in all this darkness. Um, I think this quote was very, very, very very, very relevant for today, um, simply because the narratives that are swimming around at this present time, um, a lot of them are filled with despair and um, just sadness and rage and hopelessness. But then there are also tales of joy and happiness and... (sighs) Like James Baldwin said, you know, light, light in the darkness. And on this particular day that this, that you guys are probably, um, that I'm recording this rather, um, the verdict has now come in for, in the Breonna Taylor case. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm experiencing a myriad of emotions, um, for a lot of reasons, but this is not a political podcast, so I won't get into the nitty gritty of everything, But what I will say is that to tell the tale of the true story, rather, of Breonna Taylor and what she went through and what her family is now going through can oftentimes, and what, you know, George Floyd's family is going through, Ahmaud Arbery's family is going through, and countless others. Um, to tell those stories and to talk about them often brings with it a very, very um, heavy weight. That weight is often accompanied by feelings of despair, again, hopelessness, um, suffering, and just, you know, insert any other negative emotion here, right? Um, but in the same breath, And at the same time, as James Baldwin said, there are tales to be told 
of how we are delighted and how we might triumph. And I think those tales are also of equal importance um, to the rest of them. And the reason I say that is because on a previous episode, in a previous conversation I had with Mara Chance, who is a um, from Seventh Son, we were basically talking about how the constant input of negative things, negative, um, you know, emotions, negative stories, how that can often put a damper on and affect the way we move throughout our life. Um, and by we, I mean Black people, even though this is a global issue, um, anti-Blackness is a global issue, I am talking in particular about Black folk. Um, the constant input of all this negativity definitely will alter the way we move about in this world. So I think it's it's uh, more so a means of survival and a means of extension you know life extension for us to try to focus on those stories of where we do triumph those stories of when justice is actually served you know when you know we find true love of when you know we see little black girls just being and existing in all their joyfulness um those stories are very very important and i don't want to make it seem like the focusing on those stories somehow negate, you know, the the ugly truths that we have or somehow diminish the ugly truths that we experience because that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is both stories deserve to be told with as much fervor, with as much passion, with as much grace. Um they they both because they both have a place, right? They have a place in our hearts and our minds and in our psyche. And they have a place, you know, on the on a on a bigger scale, you know, on a societal scale. They they both have a place and they both deserve a platform. And like James Baldwin said, you know, there there isn't really any other tale to tell. It's, you know, how we go through and then how we got through. You know what I'm saying? It's it's how we endure and then how we triumph. You know, it's it's how we bear the burden and then how we shake it off of our shoulders. It's both at the same time. And I know for some people that's that's somewhat hard to hard to deal with, um, hard to come to terms with, especially when uh, one is more seems to be more prevalent than the other. But I think it's definitely important for all of us to make sure that we find some sort of balance for ourselves and again for our psyche for our mental state for our emotional state it's key that we find this sort of balance um so yeah James Baldwin you are never not right (laughs) you are never not timely you are never not relevant um so yeah shout out shout out to James Baldwin for that because that was a mouthful. Uh, moving on to who got snubbed. Y'all, I alluded to this earlier. Like I said, I'm feeling a myriad of emotions today um, for a myriad of reasons. One of them being 
the fact that the Emmys were just this past weekend. And for about, I don't know, maybe, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, I I believe about five awards Insecure was nominated for, right? Up against, you know, some pretty, pretty good shows, Schitt's Creek being one of them. Um, and if you watched the Emmys this past Sunday, you saw that Schitt's Creek pretty much did a a sweep. You know, they they took some they took home a lot of awards that I felt were deserving of um that I felt insecure pretty much deserved. Um and the the only thing I can say to that is I am grateful for Dan Levy, who is of course Eugene Levy's son. He did acknowledge the writers of Insecure saying that they had made some of the funniest stuff on TV right now. I appreciated that because <laughs> it was facts. But I can't help but feel like how y'all going to do my good sis Issa like that? Like <sighs> I just I I don't think it's fair. You know what I'm saying? And and it's not that I go into these these um quote unquote mainstream award ceremonies expecting something different but I expected something different (laughs) like I I expected the greatness that comes out of Issa Rae's uh brain and out of all her writer's brain and all of her director's brain and cast and crew and everybody I expected the greatness that like kind of hovers over Insecure I expected that to be um reflected and recognized in the award um in the award space and I do know and I am aware that they did win a couple other awards for other things that's great I applaud them for that it's well deserved however the ones that I really wanted them to win they did not get and I for one am a little salty about that you know I I'm salty they got snubbed um, I'm not really here for it. Again, I can say I do appreciate Dan Levy's words. I also appreciate that Dan Levy is Eugene Levy's son because Eugene Levy is quite awesome. However, however, insecure. One word, like wh- what else am I supposed to say? Insecure. That's it. That's the quote. That's the point. Insecure. They deserve, should have deserved, um, should have gotten, rather. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm not happy. I need them to get, get some more recognition because this season and the previous seasons were just the bomb.com. So yeah, sorry, insecure. You guys are amazing. Issa, if you would like to come on and put your grievances forth, (laughs) you can definitely come on this podcast. We have a space and a place for you here. Alrighty, guys, it's time for the segment um, called Why We're Here. And the reason why we're here is because we have a very special guest here. He goes by the name of Ritz Williams. Do you go by Ritz or do you go by your full name? How do you how do you go by? 
I go by Rich because it makes things a lot easier. Okay. <laughs> we have Ritz Williams here. He's an actor, a full-on creative. You're a poet too, aren't you, sir? I see you spitting some bars. Well, you know, I do my spoken word thing here and there. I definitely am a writer. Uh, music was my first love, so instead of me trying to be an artist, spoken word has now become my outlet for that. Mm-hmm. I really love that. Um, everybody, welcome, Ritz. Ritz, how you feeling? I feel amazing. I feel blessed. How are you feeling? <laughs> I feel pretty good. You know, as good as as good as can be expected with with everything. Um, it's currently like raining cats and dogs right now, so I'm cooped up. <laughs> yeah, just literally just escaped it. So I'm very, very, very happy to be inside. Well, this you like the rain. <laughs> you know, I like rain when it's not like lightning and thunderstorming, and it's a, a lightning shower outside, and I'm not a happy camper. Mm. See, I think the rain really affects my mood. You know, I'm a summer baby, but the sun makes me happy. But the rain literally is like, makes me just want to sit in the house and eat snacks and not go outside and not do anything. <laughs> so that's why I hate the rain. It makes people in LA drive crazy. It definitely makes them drive crazy. That was part of the reason why we, you know, we won't even go there. Um... <laughs> So, Ritz, um, this whole season is going to be focused on getting different perspectives from Black creatives about how they've been managing their creativity or if they've been managing their creativity during this whole quarantine season. Um, I know we've talked earlier about how I've dabbled into the arts, been drawing, been doing a little bit of painting. Um, How have you been expressing yourself during this quarantine since I know you're out in L.A., some production things have been shut down. So what have you been doing to kind of maintain yourself? Uh, Let's see. I've been doing a couple of things. Um, I've always had like a passion for creative directing. So that's where I've been spending a lot of my time lately is just kind of like helping a friend of mine with artist development and directing um, some like live performances for Instagram and other websites and things like that. I've been learning a lot about editing and Final Cut and um, Photoshop and all of those things. So it's kind of like I've been trying to become my own one-stop shop, my own wheelhouse. So therefore, I don't have to ask a lot of different people for help when they don't have a lot of time to do it. Um, like we talked about earlier, you know, I was writing, I've been writing spoken word, um, a couple of commercial and print shoots have been happening. Um, other than that, you know, just trying to stay focused, trying to not overeat (laughs) because of all this extra time spent in the house. Right. Um, lately I have discovered this part that's really like cool and calming and it's intimate and it's not too far from my house so i've been doing that every day hiking and just trying to get that vitamin d outside Mm -hmm. you know what you're a whole lot better than me in the sense of like exercise because i promise you but you know what i'm gonna give myself some grace because when the quarantine first started i was super gung-ho like catching every workout via instagram live i was like i was on it and then <laughs> I hate home workouts. I really, really hate that. Um, I've always kind of like been, I'm, I've never really been into fitness as much as I am now over the last, what, two or three years. Mm-hmm. But 
now it's kind of like a part of my my everyday life. So when I don't have the gym, it's kind of like, you know, it kind of like messes you up. Like if you're about to run out of gas in your car and you run into a gas station, it's like, all right, I'm good. You have to get gas every week right? to go somewhere. So like for the gym for me was like my fill up is like I have to go to the gym today in order to feel productive. You know, I'm trying to maintain my temple over here in mm-hmm. these L.A. streets. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to go to the gym in order to feel adequate. And it sounds crazy, but it's so true because before the gym, I feel sluggish. And then after the gym, I feel like All right, I can accomplish anything. Oh man, Rips, you gonna you gonna make me eat some well, celery tonight. Listen, the, the, the gym for me was I'm telling you, when I first started it was a struggle. It literally was a struggle. And the only thing that really kept me going was taking pictures and taking videos and discovering new workouts. So basically yeah. thirst trapping. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. No, see, okay. Because I'm telling you, in the beginning, I wasn't posting pictures. I would not post the pictures because I felt like I looked crazy. You know what I mean? It was more like, you know what? I'm going to get in the gym. I'm going to go hard. And then when I unveil this body, it's going to be crazy out here. You know? Mm-hmm. That was my mental at first. And then when I like started to feel better, I started to eat better. I started to cook more. And... I've always kind of like you you keep your physique about you as much as you possibly can. But the things that I know that I wanted to change about myself, Mm -hmm. that's what made me want to keep going versus just being comfortable. Like, oh, you kind of attractive so you can get by. I I stopped living like I wanted to get by. I started living like God intended for me to be my best self. So this is a part of me becoming my best self. Okay, God intended for you to be your best self. I love that. I really love, I was actually having a conversation with someone earlier who I saw something on on Twitter where they were the message was basically alluding to the fact that anything less than what I deserve is self-betrayal. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so I thought it was a powerful statement, but then another girl commented and she was like, "Well, how do you know, you know, what it is you deserve? What makes you qualified or who makes you qualified?" And as a woman of faith, and I feel like you're you're a man of faith too, from what I've alluded. Um, as a woman of faith, that was really I had an interesting conversation with her because I basically told her, as a child of God, there are certain promises that we have, right? That are just like God is my daddy. You know, the cattle on a thousand hills is his. Jesus came so uh-huh. we that so that we might have life more abundantly. All that stuff, right? Uh-huh. And I was like, he doesn't like God doesn't choose to save us because we had all our T's crossed and all our I's dotted. It's literally because it's like his grace, his goodness, his mercy, his favor. And therefore, because we are qualified through him, then we deserve the best that life has for us. And she was like, oh my God, I didn't, I didn't even think about it like that. Like I'm a believer, but I didn't even think about it. And I was like, "Mm, look at God. See, all you got to do is crack your Bible open. (laughs) Stop asking dumb questions on Instagram because I, not that she's dumb, but it's just kind of no. like when you, when you hear stuff like that, and it's like they get people say, well, how you know you qualify? Well, how you know you ain't? Who it, told you you period. Ritz, period. Period. Pardon my, my, the country came out, that, that sitting on grandma's porch came out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. You, uh, what are you, Texas? You Dallas, right? Dallas, Texas, yeah. <laughs> That's all right. You got, got a little bit of, mostly Little Rock, Arkansas, and then a lot bit of Monroe, Louisiana. So you got a little bit of country over here, too. 
exactly. That's, I feel like you're the one who's pulling it out of me, but it just hit me <laughs> right on that. And I was like, oh my God, there it is. When you start talking about the Bible and faith and all of that, it's like, comparing yourself or looking at somebody's journey and you know then questioning like well where's mine you know they say comparison is a thief of joy and I am a big 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 believer of black joy just black happiness black girl joy black boy joy I'm just that that to me is my form of resistance because there's so much going on at any given point you know whether it's you know just with in your circle of friends or with family and then you add the societal aspect to it. For me, just being happy and being fulfilled in the life path that I have is the biggest form of resistance I think that we, as Black people and Black creators specifically, can can use against all of these pressures. I absolutely agree. I think it ticks people off when they see that you are unaffected by certain things. Like, I notice it in, like, my morning runs. I notice it if I'm in the grocery store. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. people are of, of other uh, nationalities or whatever, they're kind of looking at you to be angry or they're looking at you to be downtrodden and all of the rest of it. It's like, no, my God is faithful. You right. know what I'm, so I'm not about to be in here mugging y'all. Don't ask me for nothing, but I'm about to smile. I'm about to get this selfie. I'm about to go out here and, and jog these three miles, and I'm going to be all right. Um, you know, you everybody's fight, I think, with that is different. Mm-hmm. But uh, I tell people all the time, like, my, I'm a self-proclaimed, uh, what do they call it? Uh, uh, I'm in tune with my feelings, but they call it something else. Uh, it'll come to me in a second to where it's like where people I take on everybody else's emotions you're an empath uh, empath right yeah. self-proclaimed right mm-hmm. so it's like but I'm also I think it's 50-50 because I'm also a Gemini so I'm a I'm a fixer mm-hmm. um, so when people have problems it's kind of like oh it's cool I can fix that for you like we can fix this together look at this this is really simple you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. hey Plus B equals C. Right. And if you don't want to feel like A, then all you got to do is B. And voila, here goes C. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, that's, that's how I am. So I like for people to be around me with, with good energy. Or if you do have a problem, you are actively trying to fix the problem yourself. Right. Versus putting it on somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine, Amber, she she had uh, posted something. I don't know how long ago it was, but it was like... For the people that always call the strong friend to talk to, you have to start asking the strong friend, do you have the bandwidth to take this? Can you take this? And I thought that was 
really, really powerful because it's like you could be the strong friend as much as possible, but imagine you got 10 people calling you with problems mm-hmm. and grief and negativity. It's like before you can get out of the bed, you are already exhausted. Right. So I just think it's important you check in with your people, you check in with your group, your your tribe to make sure that everybody's feeling cool. And if they're not, see how you can assist and help them. And smiles and walks in the sun, they go a long way. <laughs> Definitely smiles. I Sometimes I feel a little crazy because, you know, everybody's, well, not everybody, mostly everybody is underneath this mask mandate. And I still find myself smiling at people walking down Walmart in public aisles. And I'm just like, wow, Chanel, they can't see you. So I try to like <laughs> smile with my eyes, but then I yeah. think that kind of gets confused for like, why is she doing that weird thing with her eyes? So I just like nix it all together. <laughs> And it's still energy. Man. It's an energy thing. You know, it makes things lighter. I, for one, people think I'm crazy, but I am not upset with the quarantine. I'm not upset with people having to wear masks. I'm not upset with all the, the OCD cleaning. I'm not upset with any of that. I feel like this is the things, these are the things that we should have been doing beforehand. Mm-hmm. Like when I heard about movie theaters and them putting sanitizer in the ventilation, I'm like, these are the things that should have <laughs> been happening and, right. and them every 15 minutes they're coming around cleaning the machines like these are the things that should have been taking place you're and right it's just like Jesus how nasty is America <laughs> before doing this super nasty to right. levels that we just can't even comprehend yeah my mother is actually a um, an evolving germaphobe and I say evolving because I think a couple years ago, she was kind of conscious, you know, still had the sanitizer. It was like, uh-uh, did you wipe that down? Wash that <laughs> off before you do, you know, she was that type. But over these last couple of years, she has just turned into this very germ conscious um, woman. And I'm not I'm like you. I'm not mad at it because she makes me think about things. And I'm like, ooh, yeah. Like, who was here before that? Like, where did that come from? Who's been, whose hands been on it? Where your hands been? So it's like a whole, but you know, Ritz, that gets a little, you don't get tired thinking about stuff like that. I get grossed nope. out and tired. Nope. I don't get tired at all. It's like, you know what? Let me just double check. Cause I've always been like that. I've always been like, I'm not drinking after nobody. <laughs> I'm, I, I literally is like, you cannot hand me a cup out of your refrigerator. I mean, your cupboard, none of that without rinsing it out. Right. Like, I don't I don't want water out of a pitcher. I want it to come from a bottle. <laughs> like, I've always been that type of person. I think ever since I saw that movie, um, M. Night Shyamalan, uh, with the aliens and the little girl didn't want to drink the water, she was like, it's contaminated. And she said, mm. no. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since then, I was like, you know what? That's kind of right. You haven't stopped and looked he at says water that's right. out of a faucet. <laughs> water that comes from a faucet and you just see stuff floating. It's like, why would I drink this? Like, why would I want this in my body? Why would I not rinse out this cup because dust is going to settle in it? And my friends always look at me like, don't look at my dishes like they're dirty. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that. It's just like, that's who I am as a person. Like, I don't know where your cup been. (laughs) Right. You know, the dishwasher don't clean everything. Now that's facts. That's, That's big facts. That is super big facts. I Yeah, I don't know. I actually have not. I don't even know the movie that you're referring to because I don't do horror movies at all. Um, See, that's that's my favorite genre between that and fantasy. 
No, I mean, I, I could do a little bit of fantasy, but like horror, I actually, I take that back. The only horror films I will watch are anything Jordan Peele does. He is see, turning me, really but see, that's the thing. Like he's turning me into, into like a twisted, whatever like, type of reality. Type yeah. Of and like, I mean, I don't know. I'm more of an action and comedy as you probably picked up because I'm laughing every three seconds. Um, I really like funny stuff. I like a lot of action. Like I like the John Wick stuff, you know, where people like shooting people and beating up people. I like stuff like that. I, like that. I mean, I, I love action. I, it's just for me, horror is. Uh, yeah. What's the allure? Please tell me. The allure for me with horror is half daredevil, half it's funny to me. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not like the, the adrenaline is like, mm, could this happen in real life? If this happened in real life, what would you do? Mm. You know what I mean? So it's it, of course because it's like it it makes your mind, your wheels, and your mind start to turn. It's like, hmm, if this was to happen in real life, how would you go about it? And because like I am a creative, I'm always since I was a child, I've been a person to ask why. Mm-hmm. It's like why did that happen? And and my household, it wasn't a household of because I said so. It was a household if someone tells you to do something. You ask why, and it's not a disrespect. It's like, so I can understand why I'm doing it. So therefore, when I'm doing it, it's like, oh, I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. If, you know, so when I see horror, it's like with a purge. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about it, and it's like, that could actually happen <laughs> in America. What would you do? You know, you, you start to make a mental note of, all right, you know, these rich people, this is how they survive. The people that were poor, this is how they survived. And the people in between, this is what they did. You know what I mean? So it's like things like that, it, it's interesting to me. And I want to know why. I want to see who wrote this and why did they write it like that? And what did that mean for them? Mm-hmm. I'm a person that likes that as why. Well. So when I see horror films, it always makes me question, like, if this was to happen in real life, how would you handle it? Hmm. Okay, I respect that. <laughs> I respect that. No, for real. I, I, I respect that. Um, you know, to each his own. Different, <laughs> different strokes for different folks. Different folks yeah. But I, ha- I have no rebuttal to that because that's a very, that was really, really valid to be quite honest. See, listen, I'm just, I'm just telling people. <laughs> if, the, if the killer was chasing me in the woods, I'm not going to trip. Got it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> So you're not you're not the type to to run like if you hear something in that little creaky wood cabin, and someone says like, "Ooh, what's that over there? Let's go see." Are you nah, I'm okay? Not my business. All right. Well, we gonna go the other way. <laughs> okay, great. Cause I'm you know? sick of people making those types of decisions in those movies. Mm-mm. What you gonna you gonna go to danger? Okay. Mm-mm. Yeah. I've never been. A, I'm a daredevil, but I like calculated danger. If that makes sense. It like, does. It you does. know, I don't, I'm not, a, I don't like surprises in my regular life and I definitely don't like surprise danger. <laughs> right. That's not, that's not a good thing. Mm-mm. So have you been watching like just super horror movies during the quarantine as your way of like coping or just kind of getting through the motions, going through the motions? You know, what sucks is that it hasn't been a lot of new um, movies coming out and I used to enjoy going to the actual movie theater. Me too. Me too. So... I will say that, that that does suck because you don't get that experience. But I I went to the drive-in for my first time um, during this quarantine, and that was pretty cool. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I forgot the name of that horror movie, but <laughs> it was it was pretty cool to watch it. It wasn't uh, necessarily something that I could control, like my level of being into the movie because it was like you know it's on the big screen. There are other distracting factors like lights and like being mm-hmm. outside and stuff like that. But other than that, like the experience of it was cool. I couldn't really tell you if that was the best movie in the world. But oh no! <laughs> I enjoyed myself. Well, that's that's all that matters, right? That's that's all that matters. So for you, how I know things are just again up in the air, just kind of every which way at this point. Um, for you, how important do you think it is for us as Black creatives to keep expressing ourselves and to even find some, you know, new innovative ways or like some maybe untraditional, non-traditional ways of creative expression? Um, I think it's it's like life and death because we we have to continue to create all types of black creators we have to continue to write it doesn't matter if somebody else thinks it's dumb it's a it's a niche and somebody else can do it like it's so many outlets online it's so many outlets cable television we all have to create because the thing that happens when we all don't create then there aren't opportunities for everybody else and we continue to watch the same things over and over and people continue to remake the same things over and over and the same actors get used over and over. You know what I mean? So I think it's really important that we continue to create, we continue to explore all of the avenues that are set forth before us in order to get to the next level. Um, and we tell all types of stories because I can honestly tell you, like when I watch television now, I might feel like, three out of a hundred shows or, you know, that, that I can relate to or that I see myself in one of the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have this conversation with my friends all the time where it's like, for instance, like in commercial, in the commercial world and stuff like that, I have friends, they play the colorism role, not my friends, but like the casting and things like that. Mm-hmm. They play colorism. Like the, they want a light-skinned, ethically ambiguous person, mm-hmm. or they want a dark-skinned black person that you can only be like that is an African-American person or the light-skinned person that can be pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. But we have these discussions, and it's like I'm a person that falls in the middle. Mm-hmm. So my light-skinned friends, they're like, well, they only call me in for the ethically ambiguous stuff, and because I have freckles or because I have curly hair and light eyes. They don't call me in because they don't consider me black. Mm. And then my darkest skin friends are like, well, they only call me in for the ghetto stuff or the robbery or whatever the case is because mm-hmm. I'm black. And they don't see me marrying a lighter skinned woman to create this mulatto baby or this mixed baby. Um, wow. And then it's like, well, I get it. But then you have people like myself and it's like, I'm not light enough to be what they deem as ethically ambiguous and i'm not dark enough to be what they deem as oh he's black black and he's going to communicate that to the rest of the world Mm -hmm. it's kind of like every it sucks that people play into the colorism Mm -hmm. but that's why i think it's important for black people to continue to create because it's like there are so many different shades of black 
that until all of the shades and all of the quirks and the comedy and the, the um, weight and the angst and everything else is covered within our black actors, then it's always going to be that plight. It's like, oh, you're too dark, you're too light, mm-hmm. you're just not the right fit. And it's like, who says that I want to come across as that for being big? Because I, right. I want to be looked at as a black man. Right. And you telling me that I'm too bright in my community and they're like you ain't light-skinned you know, it's right like, it's like, right yeah it sounds crazy mm-hmm. but as black creatives we have to create an avenue to where it's like okay well it's not just oh this light-skinned dude is this way mm-hmm. or this brown-skinned dude is this or this dark-skinned dude is this way because even with us that's what we do a lot of the times um like if you take shows on there like take power mm-hmm. you know with Omari, like you, Omari is a hell of an actor. Mm-hmm. But when you think about like the lighter skin um, actors, a lot of times you don't see them in roles like Omari, Lewis in Power. And then you look at uh, like the Michael B. Jordans, and the amazing thing about him is like he took his career into his own hands after so long and started doing what he wanted to do, right? And writing the things that he wanted to do, which is amazing. But then you look at stuff like uh, Insecure mm-hmm. and, and Jay Ellis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like Jay Ellis on Insecure is one of the shows that I can like, you know what? Um, I can see myself as that. And in real life, Jay Ellis and I are friends. Mm. And look at that. so it's like, you know what I mean? So it's like, as a black man, like, I don't see myself on television all the time. And of course, people are like, well, what do you mean? Like, there's so many um, athletes and this, that, and the third. But people right. don't sit around and ask themselves, like, just because I'm over six feet doesn't mean that I want to play the basketball player that's cheating on his girlfriend all the time. Right, right, right. Fit and into you know, that stereotype. It, it goes into a stereotype. And they'll hire an actor that's 5'10", 5'11", and then... Because I walk in six two, six three, they like, oh well, we can't have him standing next to the lead if he's not the lead because it's gonna overshadow the lead. Well, stop hiring misses, <laughs> you know. Not even not to say misses, but like stop hiring, like stop making the 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 cap for the lead be like five ten. I'm so you know? mad at you. Do you say stop hiring the midget? I can't with you, really. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if, if, if somebody is, is, I feel like because what we see on TV should reflect the real world. Mm-hmm. And there are, people don't always have friends that are the same height, the same skin tone, or the same class of business, whatever the case is. So I think right. we have to on that. Um, right now, I feel like America is in love with this, um, the Afro black girl who's kind of quirky and has natural hair. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in love with that right now. But like, that's been a part of our world for a very long time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's who my cousin is. That's right. Who, and that's who these people are. And right now it's like, oh, America is just not jumping on board with this. So everybody who doesn't look like this now has to take a back seat. Right. Which, you know, for me personally, I'm not too mad at because as a brown skin girl with a natural with the natural hot puff, it makes me really happy. See, and that's what I'm saying. So, like, for you, it's like, oh, I'm finally seeing myself on television and this type of stuff makes me happy. But for the person like me or your friend is like, oh, well, I, I love 
Chanel. Like, I love her high puff. I love her brown skin. But I'm her friend, too. My hair just happens to be straight. But right. why can't we both be friends on the same type of show? Exactly. You know what I mean? like, yes. Yes. Yeah. That's why black creators have to actually keep on writing and keep on creating. And instead of just being pigeonholed into, oh, this one type of person has to lead this type of show. Mm -hmm. And that's it. For sure. You said, you said a mouthful. I know, I'm sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. Like, none, none of this is getting cut because this, you said a mouthful. I wouldn't even know where to begin. Uh, yeah, I fully agree because when even when I look at, and I know you've got to go, so I'm not going to keep you too long. Um, even when I look at my inner circle of friends, like my ultimate best friend, well, I'd say four out of my seven or five closest friends are all black girls. Um, all three of them are natural. One of them is light skinned. Two of them are darker brown skin, like me. Um, three of them, excuse me. Three of them are darker brown skin. And then one is Vietnamese. Like, <laughs> see? She's just a, you know, regular, degular, you know, pretty, super intelligent Vietnamese girl that I've been friends with since middle school. So I'm like, I want to, where is that at on TV? And that's amazing. And that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not, we're not asking those questions all the time. It's like, why do you not see this type of friend group? Why is it, oh, you got to have, I recently started watching, uh, what is it, Star Girl or something like that? Star um, Girl? Hmm, I'm not familiar it, with it that. It comes on CW. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, because I'm into fantasy and all of that type of stuff, I, I started watching it. And, like, there's a African-American girl in there who's kind of like the nerdy girl um who doesn't really know how to fight and she kind of like she's just like talks to herself mm -hmm. and like you know a couple years ago that would have been like the asian girl that would have been the girl who's the leader of this show you know what i mean and you you look at it, it's like i i understand what you guys are doing i i get the concept of it mm -hmm. but at the same time it's like could then there's also a um i believe she's hispanic um who a spending girl who knows how to fight and she kind of comes in clutch um whenever they're fighting and doing that whole thing but it's kind of like for the longest it's always been the african-american girl supporting the the white actor mm -hmm. but defending and being the strongest one and being the most talented one um like in a group or something like that mm -hmm. but always having to take the back seat and so now like when i look at stuff like this like because i always tell my friends like we can support shows as much as we want to but we also have to dig into them deeper right. because i i'm not into the whole uh what is that show that everybody loves the winter is coming show uh, uh game of thrones I, game I think. Of thrones, yeah right i love fantasy right but game of thrones until more recent seasons they didn't have a lead African-American actor. Sure Everybody was a slave or something like that. And they just had like one line or something like that. So I'm like, of course, everybody loves this show and they think it's amazing, the production quality and the story and all of that. But y'all not going deeper and thinking about when they wrote this script and they had these writing sessions and in these meetings, they didn't want any African-Americans to play any lead roles. Mm -hmm. But yet, my closest friends are watching this and supporting it and having um watch parties and it's like yeah it's cool to support television i get it as actors support television and movies but 
why am I going to support you saying that you don't want me in that room? Right. That, so, that kind of reminds me of, and this is, I mean, it's fantasy, but it's in a totally different medium. It's with books. Um, that kind of reminds me of, I think there was an interview that came out uh, with Stephanie Myers, who's a woman that wrote the Twilight Saga. Uh-huh. Now, I will say I'm not a, you know, just a huge fantasy fan, but I read those like water in, you know, middle school, high school, whatever age it was. Um, And she did an interview where she like purposely did not want any of the vampires to be black. And I was like, that's really tone deaf and really. I don't know, I get I mean, I was about to say I hate that she, you know, said that in a, on a public forum, but I would rather her say it on a public forum and not just harbor it in her heart the whole time. And you know, that's the real. That's the reality of it. It's like you you think about it, even when you're watching these shows and like with werewolves and, and stuff like that. It's like, oh, the black people have to be witches. Yeah, you know, and it's like, well, why if they have to be witches? Why aren't they the most powerful witch? And why can't they just um, wipe away whatever they want to wipe away instead of having to serve mm-hmm. somebody who's not black? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, like they, they still them taking the back seat to the cast. It's like, oh, you're not you're not the number one on this call sheet. You just come in and you help this lead actress do this in this story. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I hate seeing things like that. And I just wish that it would change. I know that it's a, it's a process and of course it's not going to be overnight, but to the, the conscious like writer and who's coming up and being developing these type of things, I think it's amazing. And then I, I support it and I want them to keep going mm-hmm. uh, and keep creating because without it, our voices won't be heard. Would that be your advice for, for everybody, all these up and coming creatives and just the creatives who have had kind of like a, a damper, in their creative minds during the quarantine, that would be your advice? Absolutely. To keep going, to, to keep putting these stories out no matter who laughs, no matter who doesn't like it or who says that it might not work, to keep going, to if God gave you that dream and put that in your mind, then to push it forward. Uh, I think one of the most exciting things that I've heard over this quarantine was that uh, the, I forgot her name, but the lead actress who was playing Batwoman, uh, Javicia no or Javicia? Yeah, and Javicia is now replacing her. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I'm like, you know what, that's that's amazing to hear. Not that the other one isn't coming back, but that a black woman is going to be able to be a superhero. Yes. But reading more into it, it's like, okay, so now she comes from drugs, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, get I guess we got to take the good with the bad. Right. Have fool. I get it, you know. Um, so I think that that's amazing that she's getting that opportunity. We had a chance to work on Bridesmaids together, and that was, Teresa is a really cool person. So for her to be able to do that, I know that she's been training extra hard, um, getting those stunts together, getting her body right. So I know it's going to be pretty dope to see that. Wait a second. Skirt, press pause. Let, let's rewind. Did you say you uh-huh. two worked on Always a Bridesmaid together? Yeah. You know what, Ritz? Me and my friends did a Netflix party not too long ago, and we watched that movie. That- I knew I had seen, I was like, I've seen your face here recently, but I just could not put my finger, and it wasn't on, you know, not on Instagram. I was like, there was something I've seen Ritz in recently, and I could not recall it. Look at you. Yeah, that, that, that was a, it was a, it's a funny story because uh, the producer and director, writer, of, not the writer, but the director of it, 
he called me. He was like, bro, I need you to come in <laughs> um, real quick and just do me this quick favor. And I was literally on the set of a commercial um, at the time shooting something else. And then he was like, all your friends are here. This, that, and the third. It'll be, my, it'll be a favor for me. And I, oh, and I was like, all right, man, I come and do the cameo and then I got to get back to set. <laughs> and literally, I left set on our break. I went over to do that. Um, we wrapped it, and I got back to set on time. And now when people see and always a bridesmaid, it's just like, oh, man, if y'all only knew what actually happened in order to get that scene done, in order to get it done like that quick, and for me to get back to what I was already doing, it was a hell of a day. I love stories like that. Oh, my gosh. That's really funny. I love that. Well, I'm glad that you were able to do it. I'm glad everything worked out. Um, before you go, can you plug any project that you have going on? Um, that you can talk about, right? That's that's what I started. <laughs> about. Um, so there's a um, there's a series, a docu series coming out called The Queen of Street Lit, um, and it's about Wahida Clark. She's a best selling author. Um, that is the project that I'm working on right now. I can't tell you when it's going to be out specifically, but um, we're about to wrap up production on it um, by the end of August. So that's the next thing that's coming out at this moment for me. Besides that, um, you know, you'll probably see me in a couple commercials here and there. Uh, there are a couple of movies already on Netflix. Other than that, um, you just have to stay tuned. Okay, stay tuned. I can, I can deal with that. I, I can deal. <laughs> well... That's that on that for episode four. To keep up with Ritz, make sure to follow him on Twitter and Instagram at RitzJWill. That's R-I-T-Z-J-Will. And of course, you can keep up with us on Instagram and Twitter too, at The Chat Podcast. That's at The Chat, P-D-C-A-S-T. Episode five will be dropping soon. Ciao with you later. <laughs>